We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning and we are pleased to be joined by Kevin Dillon, Executive Director of the Connecticut Airport Authority. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Great to be with you. Of course, the crown jewel of the Airport Authority really is Bradley International Airport in Windsor Locks. And you are on track for another year of continued passenger growth when the final numbers are tallied for 2019. How have things been going at Bradley? Uh, We've had a lot of success at at Bradley. And uh, as you point out, this will be our seventh consecutive year of passenger growth since we've taken over Uh, operation of the airport from the state. So we feel very fortunate uh, that the airlines continue to make investments in Bradley Airport. Uh, But we're, you know, all focused uh, at the airport on the customer experience. That's really what we're trying to enhance. Uh, We know for a long time, um, you know, folks weren't thrilled with the service levels uh, at Bradley when it was being operated by the state. So we put a lot of focus on that. And I'm pleased to say that, you know, just recently we completed our new airport entrance road uh, into the airport that's enhancing the capacity and it's making the trip onto the airport uh, a lot more convenient. But the exciting thing about that project is that it has opened up the space for us to start construction on the new ground transportation center. So that's a $210 million project that in and of itself will be a significant customer service improvement because it's going to uh, locate all of the rental cars that today are scattered in and around the airport in one central location that can be easily accessed on foot from the terminal. What's the timeline for that project? It's about a three-year construction period. Uh, We started construction on it a couple of months ago, so we're we're very anxious uh, to get it done. Uh, We want to assure folks, though, that um, you will not run into delays or issues accessing the airport. Uh, We've been able to isolate this site, uh, so it really won't impact any of our ongoing operations. Once you go ahead and move all the rental car agencies under one roof, that is going to open up other space near the airport, correct? Absolutely. And, you know, some of that space um, we have earmarked uh, right now for additional cargo uh, uh, facilities at the airport, as well as additional surface parking. You know, as we continue to grow uh, at the airport, certainly parking uh, is a need. Right now, uh, very convenient parking at Bradley. We have more space than we actually need uh, for the numbers of passengers that we're handling today. Uh, But last year, we handled about 6.7 million passengers. I truly believe Bradley Airport can be a 10 million passenger airport. So as you look to plan for that, that's why all of these improvements are very important to us, the roadway work, the ground transportation center, and certainly uh, looking forward to creating more parking uh, at the airport as well. You talked about the customer comfort slash convenience factor and how you've been working to improve that. What sort of things have you been doing and what are the expectations of today's flyers? They're certainly different than they were 30 years ago. Absolutely. Flyers today are uh, very, very savvy. Um, They compare airports, they compare amenities at airports. 
And, you know, why, you know, it, it's so important to us. It, it's not only we want to deliver a good uh, experience for the passengers, but we know that's our competitive edge. You know, as we compete against airports uh, down in New York and up in Boston, we know we're never going to have the route structure that those very, very large airports have. Uh, but what Boston and New York will never have is the convenience of Bradley. So we really want to tout that to folks, you know, stay home at your hometown airport and we can deliver a great, great experience for you. So we're focused on, uh, you know, very basic improvements in service levels, uh, such as uh, enhancements to our parking, uh, enhancements to enhancements to concession offerings. But we also focus quite a bit on the physical structure of the airport because we believe that contributes to the passenger experience and customer service. So what you see us undertaking uh, are various projects within the terminal building that enhance passenger flow. That's why, you know, not too long ago, we added a new elevator bank to enhance vertical circulation. Uh, we're looking at projects right now that uh, potentially will consolidate uh, the entire area in the center of the building for a security checkpoint and have people exit the building on the ends of the building. That's all aimed uh, with an eye towards handling those 10 million passengers that we'd like to see at Bradley, while at the same time maintaining that customer convenience. You mentioned route development. Where would you like to fly from Bradley that you don't currently directly? Well, we have a number of uh, candidate cities that we'd like to add to our menu uh, of service at the airport. Uh, Principally, we're still focused on the West Coast. Uh, certainly Seattle is our number one uh, ask. Uh, and there's some obvious business connections uh, that we believe exist between Seattle and here. Certainly the aerospace uh, business is big in both locations. Uh, but we're also focused on cities such as Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix would be a nice addition. There's a lot of folks uh, from this area that have second homes uh, out in the Phoenix area. So that's a large uh, leisure population that's going back and forth, but there's also business connections as well. But we're also focused on cities such as Austin, Texas, Milwaukee, Nashville, and Jacksonville. You know, those are really the top ass when you look at uh, the domestic routes that we're after. And, you know, I, I get asked all the time, well, how do you decide, you know, those particular cities? Uh, we have a lot of data that's available to us. Uh, in fact, we know uh, by zip code in the state where people are looking to fly to and what airports they're using today to do that. Uh, so we take that data, we present it, you know, uh, with the business case that we make for the low cost to airlines operating at Bradley. And that's been our secret uh, to being able to attract as much service as we have over the past seven years. Now, internationally, you, you have the, the flight to Dublin via Aer Lingus. What would you like to see added to your international menu? Well, Aer Lingus has been a, a great addition. Uh, the route to Dublin is doing very, very well. Um, in fact, this past year, um, they actually enhanced the aircraft operating uh, on the route. We now have a A320neo uh, aircraft, a long-range uh, aircraft, versus the 757 uh, that was operating. So that itself brought some amenities to that service. It now has Wi-Fi uh, service on the aircraft. It's added additional first-class seats or business-class uh, seats on the aircraft. So it's a great service. We try to sell that to folks that it's a lot more than Dublin. It's connectivity to all of Europe. Because when we negotiated the agreement with Aer Lingus to come in, uh, they agreed to tie this flight into 26 separate 
um, cities throughout Europe. So you can land in Dublin and very conveniently connect to uh, another flight that'll take you anywhere uh, in Europe. So they've been a good partner. But we do think uh, because of the success, we can now start looking at other international carriers as well. And by far and away, our number one uh, destination that we're after is London service. We think that would be extremely successful. Uh, if you look at those numbers that I referred to earlier, that zip code data, it shows that there's an awful lot of demand in our market area to go to London. When you have that conversation with an airline about adding a service, how does that go? What does an airport need to prove to a carrier? Well, first and foremost, um, you, you have to have the market. You have to be able to go in and present that there are folks in your market area that will use your airport and are willing to fly to those destinations. Uh, then you have to make uh, a business case uh, to the airlines. And that's why we're very focused at Bradley on our overall costs. You know, not to get overly complicated, but there's a measurement in this business that's called cost per employment. And all that is, it's the total amount of money that airlines pay to an airport in the aggregate divided by the number of departing passengers. And that yields a mathematical result that airlines can compare airport to airport as to how efficient uh, and how cost effective a particular airport is. And I'm pleased to say at Bradley, we have the lowest cost per employment of all of the airports in the New England region. So when you go in and you can present a healthy market, you also present to them that you have the lowest cost of any airport in New England, and in some cases are willing to throw incentives uh, on the table as well, uh, it becomes a very compelling business case. You know, the incentive portion is something that, um, you know, I wish had never occurred uh, in the industry. Uh, but unfortunately, many, many airports uh, across the country are competing for these services. And it's become an expectation of the airline. So you also have to be prepared uh, to put those incentives on the table as well. I know roughly a year ago it came out that there was talk of maybe – tweaking the name of Bradley or making people know the geography of the airport. And I flew recently and I saw Hartford Bradley Airport. And I'm not sure if that was by design or just happened to be the way it showed up on the ticket. But where are you in that process of looking at the name? It is something that uh, we spent the last year um, taking a look at. In fact, uh, at our upcoming board meeting, it's going to be on the agenda uh, for us to discuss it with the board so that final action could be taken uh, on the matter. Um, you know, the reason why this initially got a look is to help um, marketing, right? If you look at, you know, uh, Bradley Airport and you're trying to sell that to somebody out in Phoenix, do they necessarily know the geographic location where that's at? So if someone's looking to fly to the Boston, New York market area, you know, would they necessarily look first at Bradley Airport if they don't know geographically where we're located? So that was the impetus behind looking at it. But the reality is um, you need a lot of partners to make something like that work if you put a geographic identifier in the name. And just as you pointed out, if you travel across the country today, on most flight information display boards that people look at to see what is their flight status, it's not listed as Bradley Airport. It's listed as Hartford today. So you would have to have all of these airports agree to start changing uh, terminology within their um, flight information systems. You'd have to have the airlines change the information within their reservation systems. So it's not necessarily an easy thing to do, even if you think it's a good idea. And I think the other thing that needs to be considered is the, the legacy of the Bradley name. Uh, very, very important to the veteran community. 
The airport is named after Eugene Bradley, a World War II flyer who unfortunately uh, died uh, at the airport. But Bradley Airport has really become uh, symbolic of all of the um, efforts and, and, and sacrifices that veterans across the country have made. So you have a lot of strong feelings within the veteran community about making sure that Bradley stays in the name if a geographic identifier is going to be added. You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Kevin Dillon, Executive Director of the Connecticut Airport Authority. When you think about Bradley Airport, you probably think about passenger service, but it's much more than that. It's also a lot of those trucks full of Amazon items that you see on the roads. A lot of those those packages come through Bradley. Absolutely. Cargo is an extremely important business for us at Bradley. And, uh, you know, I always point out to folks, if you um, looked at the return that we get from passenger traffic, you know, per square foot that we have to dedicate uh, area to passenger services versus the return we get from cargo per square foot looking at the area we dedicate to cargo, it's night and day that passenger traffic yields the biggest return uh, to the airport by far. But why cargo is so important to us, it's a huge generator of employment. And we feel as the Connecticut Airport Authority, we have an obligation to contribute to the overall state economy. And that's a great contribution that we can make uh, by generating jobs at the airport. Um, So over the past uh, year and a half, um, Amazon has started an operation uh, at the airport. Uh, It's through their ground handler um, known as Pinnacle. Uh, But they've been a great addition to the airport. In fact, if you look at 2019, uh, cargo is up about 30% as compared to the prior year. And a lot of that is certainly the result of Amazon. I mean, certainly we have other partners uh, at the airport as well, FedEx and UPS, uh, for example, are also great partners. They've been at Bradley for a long time, and they contribute to that overall cargo business and generation of jobs. So we are looking forward to uh, hopefully having Amazon do more. Uh, Right now, we are one of the few uh, airports in the Northeast uh, that they do have a cargo operation. And uh, we are telling them that we'd love to see them expand uh, at the airport because, again, that continues to generate more employment. What's the breakdown passenger versus cargo, roughly, for Bradley? Uh, In terms of… Flights. Well, the cargo, you know, you have dedicated all freighters, right? So you're carrying a lot of the cargo on limited flights. If you look at cargo, just off the top of my head, um, you probably have about uh, 10 cargo flights uh, per day. When you look at um, the the level of passenger traffic that we have at the airport, that's roughly 100 flights, 100 in and 100 out uh, each day. Are there any limitations to the facility that need to be addressed in terms of the the sizes of planes you can receive? No, right now, um, you know, we do have the ability, uh, the design aircraft uh, for the Bradley Terminal was a 757 aircraft. And uh, as you know, those are starting to be phased out. Uh, But certainly when you look at the wingspan of that aircraft, it can easily accommodate uh, what we're operating today in terms of the A320s, our predominant aircraft, and 737 uh, at the airport. But if we were to start bringing in more wide bodies uh, into the airport, we would simply realign our gates. Um, You know, one of the things that we're trying to do, and it goes back to what I said earlier about, you know, being very aware of our costs and try to keep our costs low, we try to push off major infrastructure projects such as the development of a new terminal building uh, as long as we can because that helps us uh, reduce those costs to the airlines. 
But again, as we start to inch towards that 10 million passenger number that we're targeting, we will certainly need to have additional terminal facilities built. But our plan, if you look at our master plan, it actually stages it out. Uh, We wouldn't just go and build a, a complete new terminal with 20 new gates. We would essentially start to expand the existing terminal Uh, into a new terminal area footprint by maybe adding two gates at a time. Now, I know some of this depends on the the status of the governor's transportation plan, but there has been talk that the Connecticut Airport Authority might be interested in Tweed, New Haven, or or maybe Sikorsky in in Stratford slash Bridgeport. Are you still eyeing those facilities? Uh, Absolutely. The governor um, uh, certainly believes that uh, part of his economic development plan calls for a second commercial service to, uh, service airport to serve Southern Connecticut. And we certainly believe there's, there's real opportunity there uh, for one of those airports to fulfill that role. Um, what I think is very important, though, as this is looked at, is that there is coordination among all of the airports um, here in the state, whether it's uh, Sikorsky that's selected or whether it's Tweed that's selected. Uh, those airports have to coordinate with Bradley, and we need to coordinate with them. You know, this market is is not really large enough to just have unconstrained competition uh, going on. So, you know, the actions that we take could hurt a Tweed and vice versa. The actions that a Tweed uh, would take in terms of developing air service could impact what's happening at, at Bradley. So you don't want to get to the point where you've divided this market up so much that essentially you have two unhealthy uh, airports uh, in the in the process, but I think it's an exciting time uh, for aviation here. I think people are looking for uh, alternatives, particularly to Westchester County and the New York airports, and some of the traffic that we've had difficulty attracting out of Fairfield County. It's logical uh, that they would look to utilize a, a Tweed Airport or a Sikorsky Airport. So uh, we're we're certainly looking forward to that moving forward and and some decisions being made. Aside from the governor's CT twenty thirty plan. Are you looking for anything else from the legislature this year? One of the things that we um, constantly try to stress to the legislature is that we have had the success that we've had over the past seven years because we are a quasi-public agency and an agency that needs to operate separate from the state constraints. And one of the biggest constraints that uh, we still have on us, which was – unfortunately put into the enabling legislation that established the airport authority is the fact that we're still tied to the state retirement system. And while I understand, you know, for our unionized employees, we have statewide unions, uh, that's an issue that is not going to to change. Um, But we have repeatedly asked the legislature to consider allowing us to take our management folks out of the retirement system. And, you know, some some quick calculations uh, looking at that, we could probably save as much as $2 million a year by removing ourselves uh, from that retirement system. So that's that's an annual ask uh, that we make at the legislature. Unfortunately, we haven't been too successful, but we're going to be right there again this year uh, asking for them to consider it. But I think in the bigger picture, the thing that we're asking the legislature, although it doesn't necessarily take the form of legislation is to keep in mind, you know, some of the restrictions that they're continuing to try to talk about uh, putting on quasi-public agencies will really hamper our ability um, to get things done at Bradley and to have the success that we've had. You know, when I first came um, to Connecticut uh, back in 2012, I did have to operate under the DOT for a short period of, of time until I could transition into this new 
uh, organization. And I can tell you some of the constraints uh, that the state agencies operate under uh, would make it very, very difficult for us to be successful. Remind us, it's not just Bradley that the airport authority operates. You have general aviation airports elsewhere in the state. Absolutely. We also operate uh, five other airports, uh, five general aviation airports. Uh, uh, we operate Groton, New London, Waterbury, Oxford, uh, Hartford, Brainerd, and Wyndham and Danielson uh, airports as well. And we also have the role of um, regulatory oversight for every airport within the state, even the municipal airports, where we provide guidance and we administer a state grant program for capital improvements at those airports. So um, there's a lot, uh, lot on our plate uh, at the airport authority. Our general aviation airports, you know, play a very unique role. Each one uh, fulfills a role. Um, Waterbury Oxford, uh, for example, uh, you know, is a significant corporate base. We've been able to attract a lot of traffic out of New York, corporate air, aircraft traffic uh, into Waterbury. So that's a very, very successful airport. Uh, and certainly Groton, New London, it's our other Part 139 airport, meaning uh, that they can have commercial service at Groton, New London, and we're working on that as well. It was back in October that the uh, the B-17 crash occurred at Bradley. Very tragic crash. Is the airport fully recovered from the damage that, that occurred? Well, we're still working um, through uh, some of the damage uh, that occurred to our de-icing reclamation uh, facility. Uh, a lot of people have confused that, you know, with is that in, you know, hampering our ability to de-ice aircraft has nothing to do with the actual de-icing of the aircraft. This is a facility that when we capture spent glycol, de-icing fluid, uh, it's stored and processed in this facility. So that still has not been brought back online. Uh, we have to go through a process of reconstructing that facility. So how we're handling the glycol today is we are trucking it off the airport and it's being processed remotely. Uh, but that's probably the remaining item for us uh, at the airport. But as you point out, a uh, very, very tragic uh, accident. And, uh, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers are still with the families that were uh, so impacted by that accident. Aside from the de-icing procedures, has anything else changed in, in how the airport operates or, or does business? No. I, you know, we, we've gotten the question as to, you know, are we changing uh, our policy that allows uh, aircraft to come in and be put on display vintage aircraft? Um, and the reality of that, that question comes back to FAA regulations. I mean, even if we did want to restrict uh, that type of aircraft from coming into the airport, we can't under federal rules. As an airport that takes federal grants, we have to comply with FAA regulations, which says that the airport has to be open to any certificated aircraft. Okay? Now, the FAA may look uh, at this accident and make some changes as to how they certificate vintage aircraft or how they allow them to operate or be uh, used for displays. But that is something that on a state level, we don't have the ability to do, uh, even if we wanted to make that change. Uh, but there was nothing, um, you know, that we saw uh, in the submissions from the Collings Foundation to bring the aircraft uh, to the airport that would have had us do anything different. Uh, but admittedly, um, you know, their certification work is between the FAA and themselves, not the airport. In our last minute, you've been in the business for a while. What is one tip you would have for flyers that they might not know about? Most flyers, you know, uh, that I run into, they, they typically only fly once a year. 
Um, so they're not really savvy on some of the improvements that airlines have made. You know, get familiar with the airline. Understand the automated tools that they now have for you. Uh, every airline has uh, a website. Every airline has an app. A lot of good information on that. And I would also tell those infrequent flyers, please get up to speed on the TSA regulations. And one thing, if I could just throw in before we go, Real ID is very important. Come this October, if your driver's license is not Real ID compliant, you will not be able to use it as an ID to fly. So very important to make sure that your license is Real ID compliant. He is Kevin Dillon, Executive Director of the Connecticut Airport Authority. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Great to be with you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.